Welcome to Palace Confidential, the weekly podcast all about the royal family where we assemble some of Britain's most fabulous experts and commentators and delve into the news coming out of the palaces to keep you royally clued up. I'm your host, Joe Elvin, editor of the Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Palace Confidential on video. Hello and welcome to Palace Confidential, the weekly show looking at all things royal, brought to you from Mail HQ in Kensington. I'm Jo Elvin and here's what we have coming up for you this week. In the dock. How a row over leaking stories to the press has caused another rift between William and Harry. Trademark wars. How copywriting the name Archwell is causing a bit of a stink. And who's up for Betty's Hot Pot? Find out about a special trip Her Majesty is making today. Let's start the show by hearing from the Mail's royal editor, Rebecca English, who has spent the morning in Buckingham Palace. More on why in just a moment. But first, Rebecca, the Duchess of Cambridge, got that dreaded message and had to isolate this week. That must have been so annoying. How is she? She's fine, actually, Joe. Um, thankfully, um, she's not um, suffering any um, ill effects herself. She's been double jabbed and she seems fine. But she did indeed not quite get pinged by the app, but she got a tap on the shoulder from a member of staff when she was actually in the Royal Box at Wimbledon on Friday. She had to leave immediately. She couldn't stay for Andy Murray's match and she had to go home and start self-isolating. Um, the sad news, of course, is that on Monday it meant she had to pull out of engagements with Prince William to mark the 73rd anniversary of the NHS. But apart from that, we're hoping that we will see her back in action, you know, maybe next week or even as early as the weekend. And she'll have had more time to watch TV, no doubt. And I wonder if she caught up with the new ITV documentary, Harry and William, What Went Wrong? You wrote a story about how it seems to have caused a stir, particularly by what was left out of it. Can you tell us more? Yeah, this was a bit of an awkward one this week. So there was a, a, a very interesting ITV documentary on Sunday looking at the origins of the rift between William and Harry. And as part of that documentary, the Sussexes biographer, Omid Scobie, um, gave an interview in which he said that he'd been told at the time of Harry's 2019 interview with Tom Bradby, in which he memorably confirmed his rift with his brother for the first time, and Megan, you might remember, uh, complained that no one had been asking if she was okay. He said that as a result of that, uh, members of the Kensington Palace household, possibly on the instructions of Prince William, had briefed newspapers to say he was concerned about his brother's mental health. Now, um, the reason why Kensington Palace knew about this is because the documentary was sent out to uh, the media to be reviewed, but this wasn't the final cut. And obviously when Kensington Palace found out about it, they were not happy at all and made representations through their lawyers to ITV and the uh, segment was actually duly cut. And my understanding is, although at the time people were quite openly saying, um, yes, William was very upset seeing his brother like that and was worried about him because his brother seemed to be, you know, so upset and so unhappy. But that's very different from briefing the media about concerns about his mental health. And of course, don't forget, William, as well as um, Kate and Harry, have 
campaigned really publicly in recent years on the issue of mental health. They've tried to get a better national conversation about the issue. So I think it really crossed a line in the sand for him at this suggestion that he would he or anyone working for him would even dream of briefing the media about his brother's apparent mental health issues. Rebecca, do you think this is another sign that William is keen to correct what he sees as untruths? Yes, I mean, I think we shouldn't overthink it. I don't think we're going to be seeing, you know, William complaining about every article or every television programme. But I think what is clear about it, that there is a line in the sand for him. And as I say, you know, the suggestion that he had briefed about his brother and mental health issues was just a step too far for him. Thank you, Rebecca. More from her in just a moment. Sticking with that documentary, let's turn now to my expert panel. This week, I'm joined by the Mail on Sunday's diary editor, Charlotte Griffiths, and her Daily Mail counterpart, Richard Eden. Mm -hmm. Richard, what did you make of this last-minute change to the documentary? I mean, it was very significant because no programme makers like making changes, particularly not at the last minute, and this was forced upon them because, let's be frank about what's happened here, it was um, Harry and Meghan's real sort of stormtrooper, um, Omid Scobie, you know, he's the cheerleader who seems to be coming up with increasingly um, strident and, uh, I would say, provocative comments. You know, and he, he made a claim which he didn't have any evidence to back up. The claim he made was that, um, Prince William had allowed his staff at Kenston Palace to brief um, newspapers, negative um, slurs about Prince Harry's mental health. And William complained about this when he got wind that this allegation was made in this programme and made the point that, you know, I mean, Scobie had no evidence to back this up. So ITV could do nothing else but withdraw it. Mm. And that was a, a big change because journalists had already given a preview copy of the programme. And, and that was what they'd seen. It's fascinating, really, Charlotte. It seems to me that most people connected with this story seem to think that the main blame for the fallout between the brothers is the brothers themselves. Is that fair? Yeah, a new picture is emerging um, in which it seems that William is much tougher in this situation than we previously thought. At first, all the blame was on, on Meghan, who was characterised as tungsten, yeah. and, you know, hard, hard metal. But now I think actually that title belongs to William. He's, he's very, very firm and he was much tougher behind the scenes than, than I think we gave him credit for. Mm -hmm. And he was not taking any nonsense from very early on, I think, it seems. Well, I mean, the timings of the bullying allegations are of interest, aren't they? This is like one person says that William cared more about the monarchy than his own brother, which would seem to back up what you're saying. He's, mm. you know, really coming across as quite nails. What, what do you think? I think it's quite offensive, really. I mean, when they talk about the institution, I don't think Prince William's got this sort of cold attachment to an institution. I mean, what um, th these allegations were about were his staff. These were people that they treat almost as family, um, you know, who work for them and were working also for Harry and Meghan. And they were uh, accusing Meghan of bullying. And so he took this extremely seriously. And I don't think it was his response wasn't about, oh, defending the monarchy. It was about defending um, himself and, and his staff. So I think he, he took these allegations very seriously 
from the stars. You look like you're about to say something, Charlotte. Well, it's just that actually your point, I think your point was right, because I remember in the early years, it was Harry and William together, brothers, and it was them against the institution and their future, which they sort of railed against for years. And what you're seeing now is William separating and becoming part of the institution and Harry sort of being left on his own. And they had this sort of unwritten pact that it was them going, oh, God, it's annoying how we're going to have to do all these walkabouts for the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> and now William's on the other team. But it's interesting if, it, you know, the timing of these bullying allegations being released, you know, just prior to the Oprah Winfrey interview, that would indicate to a lot of people that William was really escalating this this drama and this feud rather than trying to smooth it over. Well, maybe William had felt that an, the smoothing over hadn't been working for quite a long time at that point and decisive action was needed. Maybe he thought, I'm going to play them at their own game. But the smoothing over that the Queen had been doing very diligently from the moment Meghan came on the scene just wasn't paying off at all. So maybe he thought he'd try a different tack. Mm. Well, I think they knew um, there was likely to be very strong claims made in the Oprah interview. They knew what was coming. And so they did feel that they needed to present another side before the world was presented with the Oprah sort of glossy version. And that was all there. It was the claims from staff. And all the Times was given is they were given, you know, emails and the claims that Kenston Palace staff had to deal with. But if they, if they knew prior to the Oprah interview what was coming but they weren't they weren't briefed by anybody were they so they, there's obviously some genuine things that they, some genuine truths they might have been afraid of coming out is that fair to say well i think there was um there were a lot of people who wanted to make their points the people involved that had to deal with the bullying allegations felt very strongly about it and that they'd been desperate for ages and i think when they heard that um, Meghan was going to be giving this interview, presenting herself as the victim and everything. You know, that they were, no, 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 we want to mm. get in there another side to this story. But it only worked for 24 hours because we did talk about it for a day. We are talking about it now. But when Oprah came out, nobody cared about the bullying allegations for a good couple of weeks because the, the, the incendiary things that Meghan and Harry had said were just dwarfed the bullying al allegations but what, for a time. what is happening with that? Because, you know, it, it does seem to have gone very quiet. There's no further news on what's going on with that investigation. I mean, the palace really doesn't want to give a sort of running commentary on it. They've made oh, I clear. I wish they would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, They've got us all interested now. Yeah. But, but, it, but it's emerged that um, it's still very much under, underway, this investigation. And mm. I think that was noted in the recent accounts that were published, the annual report. Um, but I do hope that we, we sort of hear more about it and, and what, what the outcome is. I don't think it would be fair to anyone, really, to just you know, have these allegations out there with, with no sort of resolution. And away. Yeah. 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 No, I hope we do hear more about it. It's interesting, in that documentary, Penny Juna, friend of the show and royal commentator, said that it's ridiculous to think of William and Harry as celebrities. They're the royal family. But that just seems less and less the case, doesn't it? I think that may maybe the Sussex of move to America has made them more celebrity culture than royal culture. Is that... Do you think that's true? Um, definitely true of Meghan and Harry. They're celebrities now, but the royal rule has always been we're not celebrities. And I think William and Kate are looking more and more mundane, almost on purpose. You know, she, she was out the other day wearing a Zara jacket and, you know, they're still doing their walkabouts in sort of normal places in, in England. I think they're actually, you know, firming up their position as the monarchy, not celebrities. And they're trying to do that on purpose. I mean, there's no question that Harry and Meghan now have joined the ranks of sort of global celebrities. 
But I think that does keep them separate from the royal family. We saw it when there was that charity concert in L.A. that they attended, and they were literally just sort of listed on the billing as, you know, after the pop stars and his... Harry and Meghan. That feels like 50 years ago now. <laughs> yeah. This um, year, yeah. I wanted to pull out a clip of the show now that I thought was interesting. Let's take a look. William was the heir, Harry the spare, and he always seemed to care far less than his brother about what the media thought. I would bump into Harry frequently in nightclubs. You know, he would be heavily drinking, he'd be out with his friends, and, you know, quite often you would see him come off the rails. I, at the time, remember seeing William in just as many nightclubs, knocking back shots and doing the same things that anyone else in his age group would, would have done. The real difference between William and Harry is that many times they behaved in the same way, but William never got caught. Who's the king of the castle? Who's the dirty rascal? You can't have one without the other. So the suggestion there is that William drank as much and partied as much as Harry and just conveniently for him never got caught. Now Charlotte, we know that you ran in these circles. You you used to drink with Harry and William as far as and what's your impression? What's your interpretation of that? Well, I have I have been drinking with them both. And I'd say William is a good, clean kind of drunk. You know, he'll do... A, a good, of, clean drunk. <laughs> that's what you want, isn't thing? it? And so I can put that like, on my LinkedIn. He yeah. wasn't raving. You know, yeah. I was at Leeds University at the same time as Chelsea, and there was a raving scene, and Harry was sort of in it. Whereas William, I'd characterise as more of a sort of rugby drinker. He'd have a few drinks with the lads. He knows how to play beer pong. He, he went to Verbier famously. I mean, this is another thing. He did get caught on numerous occasions. Um, he went to Verbier on a lad skiing trip and had loads of tequilas at the bar and was seen looking all sloppy and sort of ski resort drunk. He wasn't nightclub raving till 6am. You wouldn't types. do that, would you, Richard? <laughs> nightclub raving till 6am. Um, of course not. No. no now, there's also the idea brought into this documentary, which I've found so... I found this so sad when I sort of heard this, this idea that Harry felt the need to make his life count before William had children and, was, and he said he was pushed down the rankings in the air to the throne. What do you make of that? I, I can't imagine, that's so, I don't care who you are, that's an awful thought to think that you think that your life doesn't count. I do, it just doesn't ring true to me at all, I'm mm. sorry. I mean, I think what happened with Harry was he threw himself in, into the armed forces and he, he loved that and I think he found his real sort of mission in life there. But then that came to an end and that was when it got awkward a, a bit, you know, like it had with Prince Andrew as well, that the army was so good at giving him that sense of um, life and direction and order, really. And then it's always difficult when that ends. And I think then more could have been done possibly to, you know, carve out that role for the, the second in line to the throne sort mm. of thing. It's, um, it's always a tricky one for any royal family. But I, I don't think he... Was a, just, it's a very strange comment to make. We'll move on. But if you want to catch up with Harry and William, What Went Wrong, you can find it on ITV Hub right now. Sticking with Harry, boy, he keeps us busy, doesn't he, uh, now. And Richard, you had a story about an application for a trademark, a trademark for their family brand hitting a snag. What, what can you tell us? Yeah, I mean, this is quite fun, really, because it's Harry and Meghan are... are you know, they've clearly got this sort of global empire that they're pursuing and they're busy trademarking in every um, dominion. It doesn't matter if it's the Philippines, India or America. 
They're trying to um, trademark the names of Archwell, which is their um, sort of non-profit organisation. We're still learning more and more as to what this um, foundation will involve. Yeah. But also Archwell Audio, which seems to be for their podcast. Oh, and that's things. the their one podcast. Yeah. They've done so far. Well, so, right? yeah. but that was for Spotify, so I'm, yeah. I'm not really clear. And then also Archwell Foundation, Archwell, all these different names. And what what happened this week was they ran into trouble in America, where the authorities said, um, you know, your application is just poorly poorly done basically it need, they needed more information more detail and they told them to come back when you can basically have a um a better application and they've got six months to do so and if they don't it will be will be thrown out um i'm sure it's just a question of getting their lawyers in in order but it did harry do it <laughs> you can imagine Megan yeah. saying, right, this, this is your job, Harry. You know, come on. You spell Archwell wrong. With it. <laughs> oh, that's mean. Um, but I'm, I'm sure it's just a bureaucratic thing and they'll, they'll get there eventually. But, but it, it is a very interesting reflection of their global ambitions, I think. To give them their dues, yeah. so a, a, a sort of random royal loon did trademark Lupo the dog when well, Kate quite. and William in 2013. Yeah. That was so. me, I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> okay, really into yeah. Lupo. Yeah. <laughs> William and Kate have done a few. They have a few things. Yes. But that's to stop other people making money from them, whereas Harry and Meghan are, just want to be the only ones making money from them. Do you so think, do you think that's true? Yeah. Mm. Well, of course it is, because otherwise why would they have a podcast company? Well, the trademark route was just one of the excellent stories that featured in Richard Eden's newsletter this week. For those who don't receive it, tell us all about it. Well, it's a weekly newsletter sent to your inbox um, every Thursday with... Um, a roundup of all the, all the interesting royal stories from the week, a preview of Palace Confidential, and um, a bit of gossip thrown in as well. So um, please do sign up. And it is free, so why wouldn't you? Exactly. Why wouldn't you? If you want to sign up for that, head to www.mailplus.co.uk forward slash palace hyphen newsletter. That link is on the screen now. Let's go back to Rebecca English now, who has news of a rather special trip that the Queen has made today. Rebecca, what can you tell us about it? Yeah, Joe. as I'm speaking to you, she's actually on the cobble. She's visiting the set of Coronation Street while she is on a trip to Manchester. I don't think they have Betty's Hot Pot and the Rovers Return anymore, but she has been in there. She's been meeting the staff. Uh, and the cast and the crew and the directors talking about how they've kept the programme going, ITV's iconic soap opera, uh, during the pandemic. Also, Rebecca, you've been at her house today. Why was that? I am, so you'll notice I'm not actually in my front room as I have been for the last six months. I'm actually outside Buckingham Palace and I've had a fabulous tour this morning of the gardens, which from Friday are being opened to the public uh, by the Royal Collection Trust, which is the charity that oversees the, the running of Buckingham Palace. Uh, you can visit the gardens. You can even bring your own picnic for the first time and have a picnic on the lawn. Uh, you can also pay a little bit extra and you can be given a special guided tour of the gardens which I've just had now um, and you see some fabulous things you see the rose beds the lakes um, we even got to have a little peek in the Queen's summer house and saw this wicker corgi that she was make that made that um, keeps guard on it it's a really fascinating morning I've had and you can even have a cup of tea at the end and a slice of chocolate cake with a little gold crown on it so what more could you want and tickets are still available you can visit in July August and September. 
Charlotte, Richard, Buckingham Palace is opening again. Summer's in the air. Will you be visiting? Or have you already been 5,000 times? <laughs> no, I think it's great. I mean, the thing about living in London, as we do, is that you, you, you take all these things for granted mm. and you, you, you wouldn't think of sort of visiting tourist sites, whatever. But if, if I have any friends or family, it would be a great idea to take them to the palace. You know, we might bump into, or we won't bump into the Queen because she'll be in Scotland by that point. But you know, there might be someone else hanging around, Prince Andrew perhaps. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm only going to go if I'm invited by the Queen personally. Oh, okay. Yeah, quite right. And one have, must have standards. I have done one of her tea parties before. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah. And me and just 400 other exclusive guests were there, <laughs> and that was my only time round Buckingham Palace. Oh, right. I've been to Buckingham Palace. It's absolutely gorgeous. Lavatories need a bit of a, you know, I'm I'm with oh, God, I'm, I'm with the coffee. government sort of like needing to fund a bit of a refurb there. They're yeah. like, they look like they've been there since the 1600s. Well, why don't we all have yeah. a past confidential picnic on the lawn at the palace? It would be fantastic. That's yes. a marvellous idea, as long as you do the catering. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and the Queen visiting Corrie. Do we think the Queen watches Coronation Street? Um, I mean, what makes me laugh is that people always claim that the Queen watches their TV programme, because usually when she meets TV stars... And if, very... if you just want to say hello if you're watching, ma'am, because we know you're the house <laughs> confidential. Yeah. Um, you know, Her Majesty is very polite and always says how, how great they are or whatever. Um, but I think it's thought that she does watch Downton Abbey and the quiz show Pointless is another favourite. But I have never heard that the Queen watches Coronation Street. Well, she might have tuned into the episode that Prince Charles did. He was in the background pouring a pint or drinking a pint or something in the <laughs> This noughties. information has passed me by. <laughs> so Tell maybe she watched that one episode. <laughs> um, I mean, they do say the Queen likes to sit down and watch TV with her dresser and great friend Angela Kelly. Um, so maybe they watch RuPaul's Drag no, Race then. There's yeah. no <laughs> way Angela thing. Kelly watches Coronation Street. She's posher than the Queen. I'm voting RuPaul's Drag Race. Until next time. <laughs> this, that is all we have time for on our show this week. Thank you to my guests, Rebecca English, Charlotte Griffiths and Richard Eden, and of course to you for watching. We'll see you next week.